Hey guys, Sean here from the Open Pantry Podcast for another episode and thanks so much for tuning in. Can't wait to get into today's episode with Jane Co from Bring Me Home as we talk about all things food waste, environmental and sustainability. Let me know what you think of this episode. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for another episode. Amazing to have Jane Co here uh, from the app Bring Me Home. Uh, Jane, thank you so much for being on the show. That's okay. Um, so, for people who haven't heard of Bringing Home before and what the app is actually about, how would you give a little synopsis of what it actually does? Um, I usually like to give a one-liner. Okay. Um, it's Bring Me Home, it's an app that mm-hmm. lets you buy and rescue surplus food at a discount. Okay. Yeah, and how it works is pretty much um, you hop onto the app, you're able to find a list of cafes, restaurants near you that have like um, excess food that sure. they want to sell at a discount. Mm-hmm. So you simply just pay on the app and then take the mobile phone with the receipt and go pick up your food. Okay. So, yeah. so it seems super simple, right? Yeah, really easy. So what made you want to actually start it off? What made you want to, you know, get mm-hmm. Bring Me Home actually out to the market? For, uh, for several reasons. Um, number one, um, I just knew that I wanted to do something in the food waste space eventually. Because, yeah. yeah. um, like, I was brought up to not waste anything in my household. Sure. So I kind of wanted to, like, do something in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, I used to work in hospitality. Okay. So I worked in a cafe when I was 16. And I saw how much food was wasted in just like in my little cafe. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I can picture Pretty how, long, yeah, yeah, I can picture how bad it would be for the whole nation to be <laughs> yeah. throwing out so much food every day. Yes. Um, and then the third thing was just the fact that I wanted to do a startup. Like I, I knew that I wanted to be, you know, having my own business since high school. Okay. And I think the last reason was because. I worked with a really cool um, startup from Denmark. Yes. And they were doing exactly the same thing what I'm doing now. Okay. And so I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity to just do my thing here. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Were you doing any businesses in high school? Like, how did you come to the to the epiphany that you wanted to all of a sudden, you know, do yeah. a business when you were sort of 16, 17, still in high school? Good question. Um, yeah, we actually had this project back in year nine. Um, okay. It was called like the entrepreneur project. So mm-hmm. um, whatever project you want, you can gra- like grab your classmates and win them over with your pitch okay. and get them to work with you. So everyone had their own ideas to begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had like this whole hour of speaking to someone and trying to win, like have them agree to your idea rather than and have them abandon their idea awesome. and get them to be on your team. Yes. So my idea was to do a DIY t-shirt session with kindergarten kids. Okay. So, because, um, like, we were thinking, okay, well, kindergartens, their parents are going to pay for it. Yes. Um, and, you know, they've got some free time after school anyway because their parents don't pick up until, like, mm. after 4.30. Mm-hmm. So it would be good to kind of get them to spend a bit of time rather in the playground but, like, make their own shirt and wear it yep. and be proud of it. Yep. And so we did that and we... Um, um, you know did earn some profits so after that I was like wow this is really great I mm. want to do something similar yeah yeah that so was, that was kind of like the epiphany that I was like okay I don't want to work for someone else when right, I grow up right. I wanted to like be a businesswoman I want to start my startup sure so when yeah. you were still doing part-time jobs and that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. cafe work and other stuff you would have done further on was it was it hard for you to sort of go Oh, I have to work for someone else? Like, were you just pushing to always do your own business or were you quite prepared to sort of sit back and sort of learn? 
I was really prepared to sit back and learn. Mm. Um, so a lot of people um, used to work in like hospitality because they need extra income. Yeah. For me, I worked at the cafe because number one, we have free food. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, That's the best thing I've ever done. Free food and coffee. That was like the biggest motivator for me to go there, uh, work from like seven and don't go home until 9 p.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, like three meals are covered. Yes. Um, and the pay wasn't great, but mm. it was just more like, about learning about how it works in a cafe because I get to rotate in different parts. Yeah, right. Worked in the kitchen, worked in the front, cool. also like waitressing. So that was really cool. That's unusual. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Did you did you think of the idea sort mm. of did you think of the idea then when you were working in the cafe and you thought, oh this food wasting, like something needs to be done about this? Or was it was it only up until you worked with a Denmark startup that you went, oh actually this does make a lot of sense. So I can bring back the experience I had. Well, when I when so when I was working in the cafe, um, first day we threw out a lot of food. I was just thinking, I'm sure there's like a way to get rid of the food rather than putting in the bins. Sure. And I like initially I was taking home a lot of food. Yeah. But then when you take the same sort of food home every day, you mm. get sick of it. And no one wants to eat it. Yes. So I'm like, well, I'm sure someone else wants this. So I. Like, I had ideas about, you know, like, charities picking up and redistributing. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was not, like, high-level idea where, you know, you can actually capitalize on your excess food, like yes. what Bring Me Home does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of had the, those little ideas floated, floating around, but not really knowing how to make it big. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, sustainability is a really big buzzword. Mm. Right in the industry at the moment, you've got great brands like Reground doing doing things with coffee grounds and that kind of stuff, and a lot of brands sort of playing around mm. an angle of sustainability and environmentalism, which is fantastic. Mm. Why do you think it's important in the food in the food waste cycle? Um, well, because well, some facts right about food waste. It's one of the largest um, contributor to greenhouse gas emission. Okay. Um, that it's really damaging the environment, and if we don't do anything now, it's going to be too late later on. Um, so before you move on, break that down for me. If I'm if I'm if I'm new to this, yeah. new to food waste, yeah. and I hear that oh, it's just going to landfill, it's going to landfill. Yeah. What does that mean with greenhouse gases? So can you explain that? So so pretty much um, when when a bunch of food is thrown to the bin, yep. um, you get to like the the trash um, transport transports mm-hmm. it right. So transportation. Yes. Like that's that's the one one of the yeah. um, sources of gas emission yes. and transporting that to landfill yes and also like there well depends on which country some of them actually have system where they separate the food separate you know yeah, right. amongst other trash but mm-hmm. a lot of the like food waste um, from for example supermarkets yes. farmers market yes they directly just go to the landfill yeah and they just sit there and rot and compost mm-hmm. in, in the landfill so and therefore you get methane gas right sorry therefore you get methane gas that yeah that. yeah and methane is a lot more um, po- like a lot more damaging compared to carbon emission actually and not mm. a lot of people know this yeah right um, it's I think 21 times more um, like toxic and poisonous. Wow. Yeah, I think I spread that on a research paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was interesting for me to mm-hmm. understand and like research a bit more about food waste before I started bringing on. Mm-hmm. And that that's also like like one of the major reasons where I'm like, okay, we need to do something now. Sure. Yeah, and, and educate people about, you know, the impact, mm-hmm. the negative impact that food waste is bringing to the environment and not just, you know, occupying the land. For yeah, the for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I 
heard in America mm. that about 25% of what people buy from the supermarket market, all that kind of stuff in food, mm. is wasted every week. Mm. The, the stats are pretty much, like the ones that I've heard is pretty much the same. So yeah. like one in four or one in five bags of groceries, mm. food will be wasted. And yes. that's more like relating to the household waste. Yes. Because I'm sure everyone, like the listeners as well, you must have thrown away some food that's just rotten in the uh, fridge. Of course. Um, so that's one stat. And then there's also like the major stat that everyone else use right now is mm. one third of, the, of all food produced in the world is wasted. Yeah. That's one third. So, do you, do you have any inkling as you've sort of brought out this brand for the last year or so, mm. and even work with a Denmark company, why that is, why that's happening? The food, yeah, waste. like why people are wasting the amount of food because I, I have no idea <laughs> yeah. of like what the wastage of food would have been in the 50s and 60s and, mm. and early on. Mm. But we both get like I come from a Dutch background, right? Mm. You obviously come from a Chinese background, yeah. If we left a thing on our plate, mm. like we'd be made to eat it right mm. and there wouldn't be really this sort of thought about food waste mm. back when we were sort of mm. growing up um maybe a bit older than you but like <laughs> but like why do you think that's so prevalent now i i think so many reasons mm. um the first reason i can think of is actually um resource resource okay. and cultural differences interesting so by that i'm saying so in china yes um there's not enough food to feed the nation. Okay. So everyone eats everything. So I'm talking about pig's brain, pig's yes. intestines, organs, mm. where, you know, Westerners or, like, Australians bought more mm. eat pig's brain. Like, you yes. don't get exposed to these kind of food. No. But in China, there's just so many people. And, you know, the in like, the number, amount of pigs available to feed the whole nation is just not enough. Not mm-hmm. So people start eating weird things. Yeah, um, right. But it's, it's all about scarcity as well. So... And so that kind of leads to a reason of, you know, there's like a debate online that I read um, is, are we produce like overproducing food? Yes. Um, The answer is no. We actually have enough food to feed the whole world. It's food waste for me. It's a problem of distribution. Interesting. Um, So imagine, you know, a very rich, wealthy country overproducing food. Yes. Of course, they're going to have waste if they don't distribute it enough. Um, they can't stuff the people to eat like six meals in, on a day. Like yes. it just doesn't make sense. So mm. it's all about being able to distribute um, excess food efficiently. Yes. Um, so yeah, cultural reasons, just over distrib- uh, I mean, distribution is a problem. And the, another thing is um, just the psychology of how hospitality or like uh, retails work. Okay. So supermarkets, for example, yes. they um, the waste that they have is probably the most amongst different types of retailers. Mm-hmm. And by that I'm saying they would throw out ugly fruits, ugly yes. um, vegetables yes. that have a bit of dent or, or even like canned food as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Any, any packaging that just looks dented um, or not fresh looking or weird marks on it, weird shape. They have to throw it out. Yes. And so this also means for the farmer's side, mm. they have to screen through like the first screen through process. And yeah. so a lot of like ugly or weird sized fruits and vegetables get thrown away. Mm. And then they get through into the distribution, mm. the supermarket, and they do another screen. So yes. imagine how much food is already wasted during that process, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, second thing in terms of like food retailers, I think a lot of fast food um like fast food chains, they like to have a 
whole shelf display full of food. Sure. Because that's the way they attract customers. Yes. Like if you picture yourself as a customer, you see two sushi stores. One has two rolls left. One has a whole bench left. Yes. You tend to, you know, go to the one with a lot more options. Because yes. that's humans. We yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the retailers feel the pressure to always have a lot of food display. Yes. And therefore, there will always be waste for mm-hmm. those retailers. Mm-hmm. So it, it depends on, you know, um, how, if, I guess, how we perceive um, on how to attract customers and also how customers perceive um, based on like, what's on display. Yes. So, yeah, like uh, quite a lot of reasons and these are just a few. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really hard one to sort of, to nut out, right? Because yeah. the, like, the supermarkets are doing some good things. Like, mm-hmm. Woolworths have got their odd bunch things. And then, they obviously, both uh, both the majors have programs with um, uh, with charity groups and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But there's a part of me just think that's a bit of smoke and mirrors mm-hmm. in order to think they're doing, like, some of the right thing. And mm-hmm. I just wonder how far you can actually go. Mm-hmm. Like in France, where it's illegal yeah. for supermarkets to, to throw, throw out, out food, exactly. right? Um, and America, where like their stomach is starting to come through now with some tax breaks and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff for the movement of the product once it's at waste stage in order to go with people who need it because mm-hmm. that logistics part mm-hmm. in the movement of the product is one of the reasons why a lot of retailers don't move the product. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. Um, so I guess in that. Where do you sort of see, with the work that you've done with Bring Me Home, and obviously it's, it's gaining a lot of popularity, becoming really successful in Melbourne, where do you see the food waste movement sort of evolving in the next sort of two, three years? Do you think it will sort of level out and this is sort of where we'll, we'll go, or do you think it will go even further and, and more in depth? I so before I answer that I have to say I'm an optimist. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> cool. so my answer is Me I too. think it's yeah. gonna it's gonna amp up a lot, mm. especially in Australia. I'm noticing a lot of people becoming more like um, sustainable and also very aware of what we're doing to the environment. Sure. Um, and even even like, you know, regardless of that, I'm seeing a lot more new customers coming on board to like actually rescue food from our platform. Interesting. So I'm I'm seeing a trend here. Um, mm. and it's it's a trend that's been happening like a few years back. Yes. But it's just more prominent now. Mm. Like you see um, a lot of people starting to cut plastic use and yeah. like, really into like zero waste yes. living. Yes. Um so yeah, I, I like I really think that it's gonna increase as well. Do you I think the federal government's come out with some guidelines I think they want fully recyclable packaging by 2025 or 2030 or something like this I think I've read something similar yeah Yeah. well I mean the fact that you see Coles and Woolies getting off like getting rid of their like first I mean like non-recyclable plastic bags and replacing it with recyclable bags um, that's a a great move Mm -hmm. uh, to begin with but I feel like there needs to be more pressure put on other retailers as well Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like you know, this is this could be debatable, but yeah. I feel like a lot of these can be um, like policy pushed, yes, like from like released from the policies, and Absolutely. then everyone has to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. So, um, the other day I saw, um, in New York, they've really banned, um, they just banned the first time plastic use uh, products, right? So, straws and like really bad um, quality plastic bags have been banned. Wow. So, a lot of people are using paper bags. Um, metal straws or yes. even like you know paper straw yeah paper mm-hmm. straws mm-hmm. 
So those things, um, and you know, with those rules coming down, everyone has to follow it. Sure. There's, there's no leeway. There's no exception. Mm. And that's really the quickest way to fix the the, the problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, um, just talking about the app, going back to the app specifically. Now we're in a great building here, um, Stony Chalk, and then and then Launch Victoria, which you're more part of a mentorship program. Yeah. Um, well, Launch Vic, um, they 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 fund the they fund the, the space that we work mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk to me about that and sort of how that came about and that how that's helped develop your actual yeah. app and brand idea go to market. Um. So. Well, so I went through StartMate Accelerator Program um, uh, about last year, so the second half of last year. Yes. And um, StartMate, they have this space in Stone and Chalk. So Stone and Chalk is like the co-working space. Uh And it's the co-working space funded by LaunchVic. So it's kind of like a three-way relationship between these three um, um, entities. Yes. And so when I got into StartMate, I had no app. It was still under development. And the Startmate was a really good program because they have like over ninety mentors that you can get access to. Wow! Um, and so yeah, and from how did you pick who you wanted to use? Well, they have a database of the mentors okay. and based on like their qualifications I and see. their expertise. expertise yeah. So you can reach out to anyone at any time if you need some sort of help. Cool. Um, so I yeah, so that that was really supportive and just being in an environment where. Um, it's a bit stressful as well. Yeah. And they just hold your goals accountable. Interesting. Um, really helped us launch and like try and excel within the first couple of months. Right. Um, and now we're still, we're still in the space, which helped a lot because without an office, it's pretty hard to work with a team. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, that's helped a tremendous amount. Do you think, because obviously I work with restaurants who are somewhere in startup mm. phase, right? Mm. And a lot of them don't get consultancy for, for many different reasons, sometimes mm. cost and sometimes ego and sometimes they think yeah. they're fully experienced which I totally respect do you think you would have been able to do the app by yourself no um, I won't be able to do it with my without my team yeah. I won't be able to do it without the people that have supported me along the journey mm. um, so I say that because like this issue I think people need to talk more about it which is like mental health um, last year was really really like great year for me, yes. Um, but a really like bad roller coaster as well. So mm. when I'm on the high, it's always great. It's always great. Yeah. But when it when it comes to coming down, like I've never had a panic attack in my life. Yeah. I had two for the first time, mm. um, last year, and yeah. it happened in the same month. Yeah. So honestly, like without the people that were supporting me along the journey, mm. I would have probably quit. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think it it happens a lot in the people, um, doing startups and. Even like business owners in hospitality, it gets tough. Like when yeah. when your cash flow isn't looking great and you gotta yeah. make the payment next, um, it's really stressful. You know, other people's lives and their living costs are on your hands, and yeah. you're like, shit, I can't pay them this month. Uh, what do I do? Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to do it all on my own. To have, be honest, have you gotten through that self doubt? Gotten through, I think. Like no, times that were really challenging. Yeah. You know. I think number one, having a really, really strong vision mm. and 
have that always like just playing in the back of my head. Yes. Um, and my vision obviously is to have bring me home all over Australia, okay. have people actively buying every day and just yeah. rescuing meals. Yeah. Um, on a daily basis, and for the, for me to see that, that's success for me. Everyone yes. has different. Um, you know, goals that they want to reach and different definition of their success. Completely. For for like for me to see bring me home being successful, that's that's what it means for yeah. me. So I always have that vision playing in the back of my head. Mm. And so whenever I am like challenged or whenever I have doubts, I try and play that tape in my head again and I'm like, okay, this is gonna happen. I yes. just need to push through this. Yeah. And it's all about finding self motivation, finding um, reasons to keep on pushing as well Mm. um and also at the same time i always have um, people around me that are able to help sure so like whenever i want to like rant about work i've got like cass who's (laughs) the founder of shift simple and i met her um, on startmate cool and whenever i'm like having doubts i talk to my partner i talk to my best friend yeah um and whenever i'm like oh i need to quit i just talk to my mom and she's always like just hang on like you know you yeah, can do this you can do it, yeah. so you sh- sometimes you just need to hear these words mm. um from people you you care about mm. and then you'll be able to push on yeah yeah so it's really important to find your tribe that supports you super important isn't it it's probably it's probably the only thing that sort of gets you through isn't yeah, it? yeah pretty much do you think in an environment like this as well because i haven't been in an environment like this before mm. so i kind of mm. get a bit jealous every time <laughs> to catch up with don't you. be jealous you can come <laughs> <at> any time <laughs> but like especially with you guys, like some of you do it at the same time and mm. launching it around the same time and stuff. And you would have seen a lot of them, a couple of them, I'm sure, fail or mm. have major stumbling blocks or maybe not be here anymore from when you started. Right? Mm. Has that made it? Has it made it sort of harder for you seeing those people really stumble, or has it been like, well, you're looking at the positive as you said and going, well, I'm still freaking here. Like we're still going. Mm. Like let's keep going. Like has it been yeah. has it has it been that sort of emotional roller coaster on other people's journeys as well as your own? I actually like when I see what happened to other people's lives. I like whatever happens to them. I'm happy for them because mm. like if you know if someone else um, does really well for their startup, raised a lot of money. Yeah. I don't. I like. I'm. I don't look at them with you know jealous eyes. I'm always yeah. like happy for them. Yeah. Because I like. Um, I was asked this question by one of my um, um, staffs the other day. Sure. They asked me, do you see other people or other startups as competition? Mm. My answer was no, because if they are better than me, then they're probably working even harder than I am. Sure. And they deserve the success they have. Mm-hmm. So when I see startups doing well, I just look at them and like learn from them mm-hmm. and try and observe, see what they're doing differently. Yeah. Um, but when I see founders decide to like pivot or... Um, drop their startup and do other things. Yes. I'm also happy for them because mm. it takes a lot of guts to do that. Mm. And it they must have like taken a lot of time to consider that, okay, it's time to move on to the next chapter. Yeah, for and sure. so I'm happy for them. Mm. I never really like look at that as like, oh shit, another startup fail. I'm scared. Like yeah, I'm, I'm never like that. Mm. Yeah, it might like mm. I never really look at it because everyone's journey is different. Um, and we're in total different industries. I don't yes. understand what they're doing most of the time. Mm. So I can only relate based on like what a founder would feel during mm. the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we've talked a bit uh, offline before, last time we caught up about you going to San Francisco and, and yeah. talking about the sort of the, that culture of funding in San Francisco and how crazy <laughs> it was. Can you just explain to sort of the listeners and watchers about 
how that was for you mm. going through that process, especially as a, um, a female entrepreneur and founder mm. of such a cool app. Like, how did you find that going into that market and doing those like pitches and yeah. doing those customers? Um, so before before I entered the startup world, I've read a lot of articles about like investments and what VCs or angels investors would yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's this common topic about how female founders would usually raise less than male founders. Yes. Um, and you know there's some gender issues going on, but I'm I'm never really affected by it. Like I always I just feel like, like. I would call myself a feminist, but in a very different way. Okay. Um, I like I'm always about you know having the opportunity to work with males, the opportunity mm-hmm. to engage with um, you know male partners and like in terms of business partners and and like talking to them and trying to pick their brains. Yes. Um, because I I think a part of me being um, able to push back some obstacles is also because I, I feel like I've possessed some of the masculinity. Um, features and in, in terms of that I'm saying like being really tough and harsh on some people that I work with or even to myself and like no mercy <laughs> so like I, I think you know I'm never really affected by the gender side in terms of mm. how much you can raise mm. so that's number one um, but that's also something I'm aware of sure um, so for example investors would usually ask females about um, questions that are more geared towards the negative thinking. So, like, um, they would ask a male founder, like, how would you go about growing your customer base versus asking female, how would you retain a customer, assuming that they won't be able to grow? Does that make sense? So there's, like, this article published by um, Harvard Business Review has two different questionnaires that, like, I think they conducted the study with a couple female and male founders and asked them about what are some of the most common questions you were asked during um, uh, investor meeting and two different types of questionnaires compare like from left to right right you can see that the male questions are very positive based yes and the female questions are more negative in that term so and 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 so like you know, when, when I read the article, I'm not like, oh, that's bad. Like, this yeah. is bad. I need to change the culture. I'm more like, okay, well, if this is the truth, what can I do in a meeting to turn that into a positive situation? It's really so, so, for example, if someone asked me, how would you go about retaining the customer? Yes. I would answer, well, first of all, this is how I would grow them. Yes. And then I would retain them this way. Uh-huh. So I'm always answering the male question first. Yes. Add on to the female question to make it like icing on the, on the cake. Yeah, 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 yeah. To make me sound like, like comprehensive. Yeah, you've got it all. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's all about how you react to an environment and not about... Like the being, environment itself. Yeah, pretty much. That's really yeah. interesting. So that's one thing. Um, and going back to your question yeah. um, about you know getting into the investment world and yeah. knowing VCs in yeah, yeah. Silicon Valley, yeah. I think it's very interesting to know that um, American investors are a lot more generous. Yes. And the way they invest is also quite different from Australian investors. Yes. I, I personally think, well, I, I haven't spoken to a lot of VCs um, at this stage, but I've heard things, and I, I can tell that Australian investors are 
a lot more detailed in terms mm. of getting to know a founder. Yep. Um, they do a lot more due diligence mm. and they also look for referrals and ask around their network and see what this founder was like. Sure. Um, so the Australian investment um, network is pretty tight. Uh, like I would say a lot of VCs know each other yeah. um, and have connections amongst the mm. network. Which is a good and bad thing, right? It's a good and bad yeah. thing. Like if, if a founder has good reputation, then everyone's yeah. going to promote the founder yeah, and right. vice versa. Interesting. Um, whereas in Silicon Valley in America um, there's a lot of money floating around um, yeah. and, and by that I'm saying you know like a normal series A in America is at least 10 mil or at least 20 mil whereas a series A in Australia is like 10 times less That's so a lot of money. and well like this is like generalized right yeah um, depends on the kind of startups but yeah. in general this is the the difference you're mm. seeing and so in America if they like you as a founder um, if they see that you've got really amazing things um, on your CV, like if you've worked with Google before, they're most likely yeah. going to back you. Yes. Um, they see other, like they look at other things to determine if you're going to, like your possibility of become successful. Mm. And for that, I think it's a, a little bit irrational, uh, which is interesting to mm. see. Um, and I've heard stories about how VCs would try and win over um, a founder. Um, based on how many other investors are looking to back that founder. Sure. So when there's competition um, around, you know, investors to back one startup, mm. then the conversation is very heated and like yes. everyone wants to jump in it because they feel like, oh, like there's always a fear of missing out in everyone. Yes. And I look at investors as just people in general with money. Yes. <laughs> so they're also like, they also have this fear of missing out if everyone's like, oh, I like this startup, I want to back them. So yeah, that's like some of the things that I noticed when I was in San Fran. Did you feel seduced when you're in San Fran and, and sort of wish, oh God, I wish I was in San Fran launching this rather than Melbourne? Not really. Um, why? Why? Well, because I've never lived in San Fran. I don't really yeah. know the food scene. Yes. Um, like, like I'm, there, there are startups solving the same problem in San Fran mm. and like other areas in America. So yeah, for that true. reason, I feel like, okay, they're doing pretty well. Mm. Um, but for like for Australia, like there are charities, um, but they're not like they just ha lack the capacity and the resources to do everything. Yes. And food waste is not something that you know one or two charities can solve. Yes. Everyone has to step in at some point mm. to like reduce the waste in different levels, like mm. household, retail, supply chain, like you know. Um, and so what like, and plus I'm not motivated by money to be honest. So when I see a lot of money floating around in San Fran, I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to focus on learning yeah. and bringing back the knowledge back to Australia and try to do my best. Cool. Yeah. Other than launching the actual app itself, which would have been an amazing day for you, mm. what's been your biggest highlight of the journey of the last year or so? That's a good question. Um, uh, can I say two? <laughs> yeah, you can definitely so say two. So one, one highlight, uh, which is more about like, um, the business-based is... Um, so before Christmas, we... Or one of my staff sent me an article saying, like, congrats, Jane, we made it to startups, uh, 10 startups to watch list in 2019, um, mm. featured by a smart company. Mm. That was... Wow. That was a major highlight. Yeah. We launched not long ago, like, f uh, five or six months ago, and we were featured within four months. So wow. that was a big thing um, mm. for me and for the team. Yes. Second best highlight was probably um, team bonding activities with my team. Okay. We did Pictionary um, the other day. <laughs> we stayed in the office until like 9 p.m. 
And it was just funny to see how people can't draw. <laughs> and it's funny because we're like, yeah. we're all having a good time. And we actually um, bought meals on our app and rescue a lot of meals to have like a party. Sure. And that was just so fun. Mm. And getting to know everyone. And like, we, we also did a lot of games where we, um, you know, did um, two truths, one lie to yeah. get to know each other, oh, yeah. and these weird facts, weird hobbies, and yeah. it was just interesting. And that was one of my highlights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the final final question to round it out. Um, how big do you want the actual brand to go? Like, do you have any immediate goals that you have? You know, after the sort of first six months that you've had, and the brand in Melbourne. Um, in Melbourne, I want it to be like at least one in three people will know about it. Wow. Yeah. So I that's what I want like aim to to yeah. be. Um, How long do you reckon it will take to get to that point? Hopefully by twenty twenty, because okay. then like by then I'm hoping to expand to at least four to five cities in I Australia. See. Yes. And I'm like I'm gonna work my ass off to yeah. get like media, you know, spotlights yeah, yeah, and get people to know about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, hopefully by twenty twenty. All right. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and so you want to be in four to five cities? Like, do you think? Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth. Yeah, yeah, pretty okay. much. Um, so the major cities, because they're like in terms of um, industry percentage, the the hospitality's the biggest in New South Wales. So Sydney's yes. like concentrated. Yes. And then Victoria, Melbourne come second. Yes. And then um, um, Brisbane, and then like Perth or Adelaide, and then so on. Mm-hmm. So there are some cities that are like two percent of the whole food market. Wow. Which you know. Obviously, I love to tap into it, yes. but it also depends on company resources and see if we can do it. Of course, the amount of money and what are you going to get back from it? Yeah. Do you think it, Do you think you'll get a different? Um, you obviously get a different clientele, but do you think with with Melbourne being such a socially responsible city, or mm-hmm. liking to think that it is, and your business being a great business, but also about social responsibility mm-hmm. and sustainability. Do you think it's going to be harder to tap into markets that maybe aren't so forward-thinking like Melbourne is? Um, it will definitely be a bit harder, mm-hmm. um, but I think it always takes time to get people to change their behaviour, especially when you're trying to get them to um, consider that excess food is not gross. You sure. know, they're just perfectly fine quality food. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it takes a bit of time to educate people what excess or surplus food really means uh-huh. and also get them to, like... Um, try it out and everything so it definitely takes a bit of time yeah yeah but I'm, I'm confident that you know by the time we reach to those um, um, regions that you know people are not aware of sustainability yeah I'm sure by the time it will be easier as well yeah of yeah. course um, what's the easiest way for people to find you and find what it's about and get in contact with each other um, get in contact with me um, you can find me on LinkedIn as well yep. um, or just Google Jane Cole you find some links to my contact <laughs> info. Um, and you can also download the app and you know shoot us an inquiry on the app as well because um, my team and I we also always look at the emails that we get sent sure um, so yeah Alright, awesome. Jane, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Open Pantry Podcast, guys. I hope you really enjoyed it. As always, the easiest way to get in contact with me and let me know what you think of the episode is just to get on Instagram and look for Open Pantry Consulting, my consulting firm in hospitality, and let me know what you think. Until next time, have a great day.